Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 646 of the Juicebox Podcast. If you were watching the news around diabetes last week, I'm certain that you saw that Civica Rx, a nonprofit generic drug and pharmaceutical company, made the announcement that they are going to make insulin and they're going to make it cheaper. I immediately reached out to the company and we decided that our first conversation around this should be with Aaron Kowalski, the CEO of the JDRF. We had a great conversation about how this all started and where it's heading, and that is what I'm bringing you today. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the T1D Exchange registry and take their survey. When you do that, you'll be supporting people with type 1 diabetes and supporting the Juice Box podcast. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash. Find out more and get started today at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1, a diabetes organization doing amazing things for people with type 1 diabetes. Touched by Type 1 has a golfing event coming up very soon on Saturday, April 2nd at the Rosen Shingle Creek Golf Course in Orlando, Florida. If you'd like to play golf, support people with type 1 and a great organization, this is your chance. Go to touchedbytype1.org to get all signed up. Aaron, I appreciate you doing this very much. You don't need to introduce yourself. I'll take care of that in the bumpers and everything, uh, okay. you know, so we don't waste your time. Um, I mean, if you want to jump right in, I, I'm interested in how JDRF got involved with Civica and what they're doing with with insulin. Sure. So as we both know, insulin life-sustaining drug for anybody with type 1 diabetes. I often say in the history of man, if I were born 100 years earlier, I would be dead. And, you know, so that puts us in a, in, in one sense, in very fortunate um, situation. And the flip side is here we are in 2022 and people in the United States, wealthiest country arguably in the world, can't afford insulin. And, and, and to me and to us at JDRF, this is an unacceptable uh, state of affairs. Uh, as we talked about last time, you know, JDRF founded to cure type 1 diabetes. That's the hope. That's the vision. But I often say that we need to be healthy when cures arrive. Mm-hmm. And how can you be healthy if you can't afford insulin? So this has been a, a top advocacy priority for JDRF for uh, a long time. And I think we've made some important strides, a few steps here and there, which are important, and we continue to push on Congress and the manufacturers. But ultimately, we needed to take action. And that's what the Civica partnership uh, is all about, is uh, I call it controlling our own destiny. Now we have a pathway under Civica to affordable insulin for any American. And that's the state that we need to be in. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do everything we can to get there as quickly as possible. Were you aware of what they were trying to do and approach them? Or did they approach you? How did that initial meeting well, work? <laughs> this is an amazing, this kind of confluence of circumstances. So uh, again, again, the short version is I went to our board about 18 months ago and said, I think we need to make insulin because I don't see a pathway to everybody having access and this would give us control. Now the board said to me, kind of, well, that's a crazy idea. How could we possibly make insulin? Uh, that's a huge project. Uh, we, we, we can't see a pathway to get there. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I realized that I, I, I brought that idea because we were seeing in the research side of JDRF some interesting ideas on novel ways to make insulin. But I felt that, you know, again, controlling our destiny was, was critical. And lo and behold, I was fortunate to take place, uh, take, take part in a, a, a conference with Dan Lillenquist, uh, who was the founder, one of the founders of Civica. And on this call where we were talking about access to, to, to medicine, and I was representing the diabetes community, Dan was representing Civica, um, it turned out that Dan had a connection to type 1 diabetes, three brothers with type 1, um, two adopted, one biological, and his dad is an endocrinologist, and making insulin accessible was a passion of his. Mm-hmm. So of course, immediately after that call, I got in touch with him. It turns out he he was already thinking about how Civica could do it. David Panzier at the Helmsley Trust had been in touch, and we got together and said, "Well, this you know." And now I could credibly go back to our board and say, "There is a vehicle to do this. We don't have to invent a manufacturing capability. They've done it. Mm-hmm. They're they've proven they can make drugs." and change the course of the affordability of, of, of drugs. And we, that started this process to where we are today, which is now a, a, a plan to bring this to the market by 2024. How important is philanthropy to putting money behind this? Because I mean, why has another company who's already set up to do something like this, not stepped up and said, we'll do this. Is it because it's not profitable enough for them? Well, I think this gets to the crux of the issue. There are companies making generic insulins, but they're falling into this convoluted system that we have, and the price is not coming down substantially. Okay. So then the question becomes, well, do you need to, how much profit do you need to make for a generic drug? And I think that's the the critical component of this is JDRF's a not-for-profit, Helmsley is a charitable trust, Civic is a not-for-profit. Our goal is not profiting here. We're going to won't see a penny. What we'll see is our constituency have access to the drug that sustains their lives. And that was the goal of Civica was to provide drugs at a reasonable cost when they um, were off patent. Mm-hmm. You know, JDRF remains committed to innovation. Uh, you know, we have a, a number of projects focused on next generation insulins like glucose responsive insulins. But for for an insulin that's off patent, I think we saw the opportunity to say, we don't need to make money. And to your point, Scott, philanthropy then plays a a really important part because we had a number of charities come in here and and really get this going. The interesting thing for what it's worth is you see there's also a number of payers coming in to make this happen. Yeah, I don't understand. Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand that piece. I'm hoping you can explain it to me. I also want to understand the drugs you've picked. Are they going to be generics by the time you get to making them? Or did you have to come to an agreement with the company? How does that not a sticking point? All three of these insulins are off patent. Now. They're all off. Okay. Yeah. Um, and heh, I wonder what my question is here. You guys have business with pharma companies. Did this put you at odds with them? Or how did they react? I think, uh, no, I think we've been very clear all along. And this goes way back to, you know, last time we talked about artificial pancreas and Mm. just kind of philosophically at JDRF, we believe that competition drives innovation and in normal circumstances drives better accessibility and pricing. And we are crystal clear that we will work with anybody who is driving uh, uh, life-changing breakthroughs for people with type 1 diabetes. We've been very clear on the insulin front that we don't believe the rebate system is fair. We know that it's hurting people who don't have insurance or who are on high deductible plans, underinsured, and that drugs that are off patent should be available at a reasonable cost. So I would say those core principles we've been um, completely transparent about. Our goal uh, is to make sure people are healthy with type 1 diabetes, that they aren't 
making the choice between rent and insulin or car payments and insulin. And I don't think that's a hard argument, honestly. No, it, it's, I mean, it fits perfectly. It, it makes a hundred percent sense that you guys are involved in this. It's, I mean, it just, even as you were saying it originally, I imagine you thought like, this is obvious that this is what we should be doing. I mean, I mean, this is, is this not the biggest problem at its core, at, you know, at its base level for people who need insulin is access. And, and I mean, from the, and there's plenty, listen, I'm not going to, I wouldn't say otherwise. I don't think I pay very much for insulin. You know, I probably have, uh, you know what, if I'm being fair, um, our private healthcare insurance, if I think about what we paid into it, I know costs us a number of thousands of dollars. And then we have a copay at the beginning. You know, it's a big joke in diabetes. Like, you know, the first thing you buy, your copay is done, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year. So I'm not going to say that, you know, insurance is free for us because I'm certain that we're probably closer to $10,000 a year than we are to nothing for our insurance. But then after that happens, and obviously it's something we can afford because we're accomplishing it. After that happens, I pay $20 every time Arden's insulin comes. It doesn't matter if her script calls for three vials or 10 vials. It's it's $20. So how do you focus? Like once you do all this, how do you make sure that the insulin ends up in the right hands? Like the people who really, really desperately need it. And what's the what's the way that you distribute it? How do you not get caught in the same problem that other companies have got caught in when they've tried to make generics? Yeah, it's a great question. And I was fortunate to do a whole briefing today with the Civica team and one of our volunteers who had insulin access, serious insulin access issues. Her brother died of diabetes complications and was in this vortex. And you could say that this contributed to his death. And the Civica team um, talked about this. And this is core to our being a part of this uh, team is that we will not take part in the, 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 the rebating system that they are um, their their core principle is that these insulins will have kind of like an MSRP, like, like you have on a car or at a dealership and that they will not distribute it through any vehicle that marks it up. Mm-hmm. So then to your question, Scott, I think you see a couple of different vehicles here. We obviously have payers already on board and contributing to this initiative legitimate, well-known payers, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Kaiser Permanente, Intermountain Health, Trinity, uh, large payer systems. We then have the ability and the, the goal is to go direct through pharmacy, online pharmacy, and even the likes of Walmart, Amazon, and Costco-like vehicles. Excellent. So our goal is we will distribute this in all different channels to ensure that no matter where you live, you have access and never get caught in this trap again of paying exorbitant pricing. Like you said, in the beginning of the year, my brother who runs a small business had a $12,000 or $14,000 deductible or something for a family of four previously yeah. to his wife getting you know, a, a, a job that had a, a non-high deductible plan option. So he he was paying list price for for months for insulin, yeah, and it, it's painful. And he has a good job, so we intend and we will not waver uh, that this price will be set. And if you don't like it, then you won't sell it. Right. So, am I understanding correctly? It's sort of a three tiered system, right? At the moment, it's a pharma company, it's you, and then there's this middleman, and you. you I, I can't believe it's escaping me at the moment while we're talking about, but uh, what is that system called? PBM. The, yes, PBM. thank you. The pharmacy benefits manager. So a, a pharma company who's in existence making a bunch of drugs, including insulin, even if they wanted to take a stand on insulin, they couldn't because then they wouldn't distribute their other drugs as a form of kind of punishment, I would imagine. Is that what stops them? Like, is that the big, and, and that, um, I, I don't need you to guess why it stops them, but it won't stop you because you're only going to be doing this. So nobody can hold anything over your head excessively and you're going to use different distribution channels. So none of these things will impact you. Well, that's yes. And again, remember that 
As you know, there are a variety of ways that people are covered in the United States. We will continue to advocate, for example, with Congress to make sure Medicare covers insulin at a, a low cost. The president came out and said he wanted a cap of $35 per month in Medicare. So in theory, that would be cheaper than paying cash for, for, via Civica. Um, and that would be great. Yeah. Uh, uh, the payers like Blue Cross, and you, you're kind of alluding to, well, how does this fit for a payer? I think for a payer, it, it takes out some of the complexity and, and can strip costs. And I think we've seen that with Civica distributing over seven, 60 generic medicines. And I heard from their team today to over 70 million people wow. through hospital systems because it saves the hospital system money. Right. So what, what we can allow for then is, and what I hope we see is that this forces the market to a reckoning here because ultimately you can talk to the, 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 manufacturers, the plans or the PBMs. And I think everybody I've been on panels where they point fingers to one another. I don't know exactly. I, you almost need a PhD to understand some of how our system works. Yeah. But what I can tell you is this system is going to be very simple. Civic has done it. And I, I expect it'll allow for reduction in plans cost for insulin as well as the ability for people on high deductibles or uninsured to have clear, transparent, low cash pricing of insulin. It's interesting that you bring up that I, that analogy of everybody pointing fingers because I once spent three days in a room talking about this, and what I left thinking was everyone is lying to some degree in here, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and 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 it is so. Um, the the issue is so it seems purposefully confusing that it's almost set up so that you can't argue with it, um, you know, because you just don't know enough about it. So it's interesting. So the payers, even the hospitals, they're getting hurt enough that this is a great idea for them as well. Join Central Florida nonprofit Touched by Type 1 to elevate awareness of the 1.6 million Americans who have type 1 diabetes at their inaugural Golf for Diabetes tournament, which will be held on April 2nd, 2022, at the award-winning Shingle Creek Golf Club. Head over right now to touchbytype1.org to get signed up. Players will enjoy tournament hats, breakfast, admissions to the award luncheon, and a chance to win raffle prizes and a trip to Pebble Beach. You know you want to go play golf. You're in the Orlando area. What do you got to lose? Touchbytype1.org. I mean, what are you going to go outside, have a beautiful day playing golf in sunny Florida, and help people with type 1 diabetes? I mean, you could spend your day worse, right? Head over there now. You get your clubs. For, I don't know, I've never played golf in my life. Goodbye. You may be eligible to try the Omnipod Dash for free for 30 days. Hmm. Now you're listening, aren't you? Now you're like, all right, hold on, Scott. Tell me a little more. Well, the Omnipod Dash insulin management system provides up to three days of nonstop insulin management without multiple daily injections, so you can live your life freely. And if you want to give that a whirl, you go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out if you're eligible. I'm, I'm looking at a button here. It says get 30 days free. It's pretty simple. You click on the button and then you're on your way. Now. What's going to happen when you get this little trial here, this little free 30 days? You're going to discover the Omnipod Dash. You'll be able to wear each pod for three days, up to 72 hours. And during that time, you're going to get continuous insulin delivery without multiple daily injections. And the convenience will not stop there because you can also get this through your pharmacy with no commitment. See what I'm saying? You try the 30 days. You like it. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. You're still doing it through your pharmacy with no commitment. It's not like you have to use it for four years after that. They don't have you tied up like those cable people. Oh, the cable company. Am I right? Right? It's not like that. Interesting. No cables, no tubes. I just saw that for the first time. It's like a cut the cord event we're having here together. My goodness. I love it when a plan comes together. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. If you're sitting here thinking, you know what, Scott? I'm not going to do it, right? Because I heard about Omnipod 5 and got to be honest, that's what I'm waiting for. You don't have to do that. 
I understand the feeling. I understand that you're like, oh, like, why would I start Omnipod Dash if I want to just get on Omnipod 5 in a few months? Well, here's why. Because you can dash into the Omnipod 5. Do you see what I did there? It's wordplay. Dash into the Omnipod 5. Start today with the free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Stick with it. Love it. That's cool. And then upgrade to Omnipod 5 as soon as it's available and covered for you. That'll happen at no additional cost, by the way. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've made my point here. Do I need to say more? Tubeless. You can swim with it. You can play sports, run around, go to the gym. If you're an adult, make sexy time. All with your insulin pump on. Never being without your insulin. Uh, no more injections. No more getting in the shower, taking off your tube pump, forgetting to put it back on. Your blood sugar being 300 two hours later. And you're like, oh, I don't ever put my pump back on. That doesn't happen. You get in the shower with your Omnipod. You get out of your shower with the Omnipod. It's always your Omnipod. For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions. And for Omnipod promise terms and conditions. And to get started. This link does it all. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Well, we've certainly seen that with the Civica generic drugs that they're using in their hospital systems now. I think the team said today... They work with over 5,000 hospitals, touch about a third of the country in terms of population. Mm -hmm. And it's been a, a rousing success. In fact, they were telling me that Harvard Business School was doing an, you know, kind of uh, uh, analyses of just how successful this has been. And you know that, that's what attracted us. And that first meeting when I heard Dan describe this, I was like, well, there it is. That is a vehicle to help us uh, solve this problem. And again, it's, it's, it's part of a broader um, piece for us at JDRF. We'll continue to advocate. You know, one of the things I'm sure you'll bring up is 2024 feels like a long time away. You know, that's when we're intending to launch. We have to go through FDA process. That's going to take some time. We're going to do everything we can to move it along. In the meantime, we'll continue to advocate. And then we have the problem around the world. You know, this is a U.S. unique system problem, but JDRF working with Helmsley and Life for a Child and others see insulin access and even availability issues globally. So, you know, you know, at the fundamental level, it's pretty shocking that we're still having these discussions on 100 years, really, you know, coming out of the celebration of 100 years of insulin. But gosh, I hope we can really put some of um, the really painful points to bed here in the coming year and a half. I've only been aware of diabetes for 15 years, and it feels like 100 years that I've been hearing about insulin. <laughs> so, And hey, you've had diabetes forever. Was there not a time in your life that you could walk into a pharmacy without a script, buy insulin, but you only needed insulin for syringes? Isn't that how it used to work? You need a, right, a prescription for syringes, buy insulin, cash. In fact, I, somebody was talking to me about this issue and I'll never forget. I was in college in the early nineties and back then we just paid cash. And in my hometown, I could go to the pharmacy and I paid $10 a vial. And I remember going to my college pharmacy and the pharmacist said, that'll be $18. And I threw up my hands and I said, are you kidding me? It's almost double what I'm paying at home. I said, well, then go buy it at home. And I said, I will. Unfortunately, I lived half an hour or a little more than a half an hour from campus. And I literally drove home that weekend and bought my insulin. Um, that's another issue, the requirement for prescription that, uh, that, that is a top of mind for us at JDRF we haven't tackled. But the, the necessity for prescription is very frustrating to, to all of us. Uh, you, for what it's worth, I, I, you know, and this is just very relevant to this discussion, and it just shows you how impactful it is. A couple of years ago, my daughter graduated college, and she went to Penn State out in State College, Pennsylvania. I forgot my insulin that weekend. So I literally made the choice, <laughs> and I, I regretted it, but um, I said to myself, I'm not going to pay $300 for a vial. I had a whole slew of insulin at home. So I, I could, you can walk into Walmart right now, and I know this is a hot button issue in the diabetes online community, is um, I just paid for regular. And my thought process was, well, I lived on regular insulin. 
for you know 20 plus years i'll know what to do <laughs> not so much you know, i was too cheap to buy um modern insulin right well gosh did i pay the price that weekend my blood sugar was just terrible uh, but i didn't need a prescription to do it and what i hope that we see going forward is not only do we partner with civica to lower the price so you could walk in and pay $30 for a vial of modern insulin. But I, I, I expect that this prescription issue is something that we've certainly talked about at JDRF. Mm-hmm. I hope we can solve that as well. This this little parable happened to you before rely on Novolog was at Walmart, right? Yes. The, um, yeah. Okay. And see, you know what, boy, this seems like dads are just dads, aren't they, Aaron? Like, it seems like a weird place where I would have planted my, like, flag in the sand and made a stand and like three days later my wife would have been like are you happy you've ruined everything <laughs> <laughs> well i didn't i kept it under the you know, wraps for my wife and daughter not to to, to step on the weekend but um it did make for a miserable weekend yeah. for me. you know i have to tell you you said something a moment ago that i disagreed with you said that two years seems like it's really far away uh i i, I thought that sounded hopeful uh between how we've seen uh, Omnipod five come through FDA, um, you know, construction as, you know, workforce is building back up after COVID. Like I thought that seemed like exciting that you thought you could get it done in two years. Well, that makes, that's makes, makes me happy. I think, you know, I guess the bottom line is it just every day feels too long to me. Yeah, no. And I, it just, it kills me that every day, until we get there is a day where somebody's not taking enough insulin for mm-hmm. for this issue. So I maybe that's the context uh, that we all feel and I see on online with the community is gosh, um, uh, it, it, we just need solutions now. And again, we're going to continue to advocate and mobilize our advocates. Uh, but you're right, FDA does take time. It has to be safe. Making insulin is uh, uh, no easy process. So um, I appreciate that perspective. I think you're right. Yeah. So how do you, well, I have a number of questions about this. So um, first of all, the goal for scope, like what, once this is up and running, I mean, what percentage of the population are you hoping to, to help with this? Like what's reasonable? Well, today the team at Civica said they could make, they anticipate they could make in, enough insulin for anybody who needs it. Really? In They're, America or all over the world? Uh-huh. In, America. in America. Okay. In America. And their anticipated kind of what they expect will happen is about 30% um, initially will benefit from, from the new insulin. But our goal is to make, make it available to anybody who, who it's a good idea for. And uh, they'll have the capability to do that. Yeah. What about... Um, I, I have a number of questions here from people uh, from my Facebook group. And and one of the people said that, you know, historically manufacturers have noted that there's difficulty in manufacturing insulin, that it takes expertise. And um, that's part of the reason for the high prices. Now, I, maybe that part's an excuse for the high prices part, but it is something that takes some expertise. So where do you find these people? Like where does Civica get these, these people who understand this entire process from, you know, from nuts to bolts, like, you know, I, I, I once had a gentleman on here that, um, that designed the, the plant where Omnipods are made. And yep. it's fascinating just to hear his piece of it and how difficult it was just to set up the floor to make the thing. So where do you get all of these, all of these, you know, qualified people? Scott, not to digress, I'll, I'll hit that question. But I remember when I first started at JDRF and Insulet was pre-approval going up to their factory or, you know, manufacturing facility up in um, Massachusetts. And it was literally a, an assembly line, Mm -hmm. human beings making each pod. So it does, it does say we've come a long, long way, you know, seeing everybody wear pods these days, but to, to the Civica question, the team at Civica, and we can send you the bios and folks uh, who are listening can look this up is are an amazing group of, uh, drug manufacturing experts. Mm -hmm. And I think they've proven this by their ability to manufacture over 60 generic drugs now helping so many people. In this case, we have that team combined with a team in India who's making the insulin um, itself. 
So what what will happen is the insulin will be manufactured in, in India. It will then be shipped to the United States and in the United States and Virginia will be packaged into vials or pens. And these are professionals who have decades of experience and that when I brought this uh, to our board for our the, the funding that we're doing, um, that gave us all a lot of confidence that they know what they're doing. They have a proven track record, and that we can get this done. Yeah. So, so the the insulin itself will be made overseas. Yes. Yeah. Is there a reason you can't drop ship it from there? Does it just did they not have the the setup to handle that? What do you mean? But but package it there? Yeah, like why why does it not leave there and go to where it's needed? Why does it come to Virginia first? What's that process? It's just I think it's just a supply chain issue. It's probably more economic and simpler to do it that way. I understand. Okay. Um, wow, there's a lot here actually, isn't there? Um, the facility itself's being built in Virginia, um, but they could could they start right now in India? Like well. If- you mean manufacturing insulin in yeah. India? And, well, this company, I think their intention is to manufacture beyond the United States, and they will be doing that. I expect our agreement is they'll be our supplier here in the U.S. I see. Okay. I was just trying to figure out what the two years was for. If it was to get um, infrastructure set up on this side for distribution, or if it was to, because I think in some people's minds, they hear this and they think, oh, there's a company who's going to start making insulin today. They're They're just beginning Let's, to do it. It's still just like uh, just like any new drug or device, even if it's made elsewhere successfully and even approved by other regulators, if it hasn't been to the U.S. yet, um, we need to go through a regulatory process. FDA will need to inspect factories, et cetera. So so there is a time component. Mm -hmm. The good news is we know, like, for example, with assembly, that the pathway at FDA exists. We're not inventing a new pathway. So that gives us a lot of confidence then that the rest of the process, I don't want to say is box uh, checking because that would be doing a tremendous disservice to the complexity that these manufacturers go through, but it is a we have a plan. We're executing against the plan. The pathway exists at FDA. Therefore, this is the time we think it's going to take to get all of, all of that done. And that's what we're, we're, we're going through right now. It's amazing. Well, um, you know, I, I think, I don't my brain works backwards from no, usually. So um, I, I think about the worst thing that can happen until I get to the best thing that can happen. My wife says it's a problem, but it works in life uh, really well. Even after this is all set up, do you see any gaps left once this is happening? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, when I think of our healthcare system and and the challenges, you know, on the Medicaid side for people who are really struggling, we should have pathways. We do have pathways. I think here with Civica, we're filling kind of this 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 kind of um, gap that has been caused by this perverse price increase in the face of competition situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said, you have access to, and I'm fortunate to JDRF. I have access to insulin on a standard plan. So, so. You know, I think there'll always be people who get into situations where they're in a jam, but I don't think the systemic issue that we're seeing will be where it is today. So it sounds so that's like- a lot of hemming and hawing. I'm just trying, and I'm honestly, your, your question, I'm just trying to think through. Yeah. I think, honestly, I hope that the bulk of the U.S. problem, I'm sure there'll still be little pockets, but I hope that we'll have really taken a huge step forward and I expect where we would be talking about next is places like underserved countries. You know, we've seen what's going on in the Ukraine right now, mm-hmm. or my team went down right before COVID to Malawi, where the average kid only lives a few years with type one diabetes. You know, we, we have global issues, but in the U S I hope this is a major step forward. Sure. I spoke in the Dominican once and I heard a story of a 12-year-old boy who died of complications that would have been attached to a 70-year-old in America. And, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was insane. Tragic. 
let me ask you, does this create problems? I'm trying to think backwards. So you start making generic insulins that are, you know, pretty, you know, pretty great. Um, does that make insulin manufacturers like Novo and and the rest, Lilly, et cetera, does it make them say, ah, eh, we don't want to be like, could you get so big that they don't want to be in the insulin game anymore? And then if that happens, would they stop making new insulins? And would I'm that sure. hurt us long term? You know, would we not see something like Fiasp, for example, if you would have done this 10 years ago, et cetera? We think they're, we hope that it'll spur innovation. Okay. But ultimately, that unfortunately, there are way too many people with diabetes. We have 7 million people in the U.S. alone on insulin. You know that it's uh, incidence uh, of type 1 diabetes is rising, and therefore the number of people with type 1 is going up, and of course the number of people with type 2 is going up. And then globally, we're seeing this explosion in diabetes. There are huge, huge unmet needs out there. And innovative, there's a ton of room for innovation in insulin. Uh, last time we talked about all sorts of different uh, research that JDRF is working on. And one of the areas that I'm really excited about is glucose responsive insulin. I still remain excited about this for, for listeners who aren't familiar with this term. That was we, we call it glucose responsive insulin as, as biochemists. Some people call it smart insulin. The idea is what if you could make an insulin that only worked when your glucose was high mm. and didn't work when the glucose was low or worked minimally at a basal rate? We have a company that we funded initially in the academic lab at Caltech um, that then became a company in our T1D fund and then became part of Lilly called Protomer, making glucose responsive insulin. Yeah. You know, a glucose responsive insulin would eliminate the need for all of these insulins. If somebody can get that to the market, uh, we wouldn't even we won't be talking about this, or at least we won't be talking about it as uh, um, you know cutting edge anymore. Right. So I hope that there. Well, I know there's plenty of room for innovation. JDRF is focused on glucose responsive insulins, super fast acting insulins to eliminate the need for bolusing and closed loop systems, co formulated insulins for the elimination of the need. Uh, for bolusing and closed loop, for example, or even in shots, I, I think it could be very helpful mm -hmm. for reducing post-meal spikes. And I really believe that when we think of our system in the United States, we have patents to protect innovative products and JDRF will continue to work with innovators to drive those forward. But what we're seeing here is, you know, normally we would see pricing competition drive pricing down post patent life and it's not mm -hmm. so they're not mutually exclusive i think there's plenty of room for innovation while having equitable access to generic versions or biosimilar versions of these these drugs you know in the past um you and i spoke and you were so passionate just talking about the need for better cannula material and it's stu yeah. stuck with me I, I swear to you for these years i think about that all the time like just how much better would my daughter's life be if her sights didn't get angry after a certain amount of time, you, you know, like that one little idea. And, and, and I will say, I could, I'd, I'd love to stick up for you guys right now. Back in the day when, when you, when the JDRF said, listen, you know, we're still looking for a cure, but we'd like to try to help in other areas too. It's fair to say you guys took a, you know, you took a shot from people who were like, stop it, put all the money towards curing this. And even back then I thought, you know, I've always kind of had the same idea of like, you know, as 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 uh, human beings, we haven't exactly cured a lot of things so far. So I thought make lives better because these people who are alive right now, they deserve a, a great shot at health and happiness as well. They don't deserve to be, you know, a ramp up to something that you figure out 100 years from now. Um, and so I'm really have been genuinely pleased with all the things you guys have your hands in and all the things that seem to be moving forward. I mean, let's be honest, once you get some money behind it, you know, stuff like this gets a lot easier. I, I wanted to ask you, are you involved in anything that's just sort of to look at autoimmune disease in general? Like not not anything super specific, but just understanding the the inflammatory response that people see when they have autoimmune. And, you know, I've been doing this podcast now for eight years and 
And in every episode, I ask if if there's other autoimmune in people's backgrounds. And the more I ask, the more I hear similar answers and answers sometimes that I never expected. For instance, like bipolar disorder. The amount of people who have type 1 diabetes who have somebody in their immediate or slightly extended family who is bipolar is insane. And to me, that's inflammation. And, you know, just all these other things that seem to tie together. Boy, I'll tell you, it's, um, I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime, but I, I would love it for somebody to look into it for my grandchildren, you know. Well, no, uh, Scott, we we know a lot about this right now. And JDRF has a number of initiatives where we're partnering with other autoimmune disease organizations to because it's 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 been proven the link here and the way that your listeners and we well should understand what's going on here is if you have one autoimmune disease your other family members are are, are certainly at an increased risk versus the general population we know that and the reason is most of the genes so uh, now my, my background is in molecular genetics, so forgive me and stop me if I go crazy here, but type 1 diabetes is a genetic disease. Most people don't understand that. And most people, when they think of genetics, they think of what I call, what geneticists would call simple genetics. And, and simple genetics are the thing, the genetics you learn in high school, like Punnett squares and pea plants and tall and short pea plants and wrinkled and smooth peas. The, the, the human application of this is single gene diseases like sickle cell disease. We know you have a, a mutation, it, it causes sickle cell, it's in the hemoglobin protein, and boom, 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 you can track it. In autoimmunity and in type 1 diabetes, for example, there are over 50 genes involved in conferring risk to type 1 diabetes. But the bulk of them are in what we call immune regulation. And, and the way that I often think about this, and if you talk to immunologists, they, I think it's pretty accurate, is think of a teeter-totter that's normally in balance. And part of the one side of the equation is the side that um, the, of the immune system that fights stuff. And then the other side of the equation is the side of the immune system that keeps that under control. Mm-hmm. And what happens in autoimmunity is it gets out of whack and the stuff that fights stuff fights itself, our our own bodies, but it's about the balance where this is going wrong. So one of our great type one diabetes scientists in immunology is a doctor named Jeff Bluestone at UCSF. And he actually, we've been funding him to do this research for many two over maybe three decades now, two and a half decades. He actually just formed a company called Sonoma. Their their technology is focused on type one diabetes, but it's also focused on other autoimmune diseases because the mechanisms are shared. Now, the interesting thing about Jeff, just before pausing here for a second, is he for a while was the head of the Parker Institute. The Parker Institute was founded to study the immunology of cancer. Now this gets to the teeter-totter. Think about the teeter-totter being out of balance. The teeter-totter is out of balance in one direction. Your body fights things that it shouldn't. If it's in out in the other direction, it doesn't fight things that it should. Jeff Bluestone is a diabetes immunologist who is head of a cancer immunology um, team because it's the same problem in the opposite direction. It's like a mirror Mm -hmm. cancer and autoimmunity. And, 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 and the proof in this pudding is some of the new cancer drugs that work via restoring immune balance actually cause autoimmunity in, in people, including type one diabetes. So that's a super long winded technical answer to autoimmunity is genetic. The mechanisms are shared. And even it's not just autoimmunity, it even involves, uh, you know, understanding cancer helping us. Mm. So I have um, huge hopes for this field because there's a lot of resources going back um, towards um, immune regulation. And I think you're going to see drugs coming to the market where we're piggybacking off of multiple sclerosis, 
rheumatoid arthritis, and even some of these cancer drugs that will give us learnings that we can apply to type one. Yeah. Well, that to me is exciting. Um, I, I know prevention bio was on one time and, and the gentleman that was here from them, he just said something so like simple. He said, um, you know, if Coxsackie virus is the thing that happens before a lot of people get type one diabetes, what if we just, you know, immunize people against Coxsackie? And I thought, Oh, that what is just a sweet idea. And it probably hit me harder, Aaron, because my daughter had Coxsackie virus right before she was diagnosed mm-hmm. with type one. And I thought that's not a fix, but man, that's a very kind thing to think, y- you know, and, um, and, and I know there's much, much more to it than just that. I'm, I'm going to probably track down Mr. Bluestone and, uh, Oh yeah, you should it, talk to him. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, best, best in the world. That's lovely. Okay. Um, sorry, I got you off on a little bit of a no, of, of a sidetrack. You no, know I love talking talking science. Like yeah. That. No, you've been uh you you've been hanging on. I don't want to jinx you, but you've been hanging on to this job for a while, Aaron. <laughs> well, it's three years. <laughs> it's been a crazy three years. Um, I never thought as a first time CEO I'd face a pandemic, but you know I feel like I have the best job in the world in the sense that. I can help try to really use what I do well to make a big difference in the lives of people with diabetes. So I always think of it as an incredible honor and uh, um, just an incredible responsibility. So um, hopefully I'm I'm around a a longer still. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something. You brought it up. Um, What was the biggest challenge in the pandemic for JDRF? Well, the biggest challenge for us was we historically have raised our money via events and that we couldn't do events during the pandemic. We couldn't get together. And ultimately, JDRF doesn't have an endowment. We raise our money uh, each year. So that was scary to us. And, you know, just to, to get into it very briefly, we knew that we had a, you know, JDRF wasn't going to go out of business, so to speak, that people were supporting us, but we needed to be able to fund research. That's why people give to us. So mm-hmm. we had to make a lot of hard choices and we cut expenses and we reinvented our chapter structure, which was hard. Uh, but the good news is we're doing great right now. We're funding a ton of research and there's never been an easier time to talk about research progress than right now. You know, if you, you mentioned Omnipod five tandem uh, apps that dose insulin, um, you know, you name it. And then all of the cell therapy, the vertex data, it's just, there's research is paying off. We're seeing tangible real life benefit from the research we're funding. So the, the, the move away from events was hard for us. We'll continue to do events. But I often say, you know, events are a means, not an end. I don't know how many people, uh, you know, the, our walks are wonderful. That's how I got involved way back in the early 80s, my family. But the reason we walk is to drive for cures. You know, the reason we go to events is to drive for cures. And I think, you know, keeping the mission front and center for us is critical because that's why people support us. Yeah. Well, um, I can tell you that um, I've spoken at a number of your events over the years and what I've always taken away from it is it's an excellent opportunity to meet someone at the beginning and put them on a good path. Um, You know, and and I always thought that that was a, I, I, that's, that was always my biggest takeaway from them. Not not to let somebody get lost for years and years and years and find their way back, but put them on. Oh, no, no, no. The community is so hugely important. And and that's a big philosophy for me at JDRF is, you know, we raise money to support the mission, accelerating life-changing breakthroughs to to cure, prevent, and better treat T1D and its complications. And that, you know, it takes money. This project took money to to fund. Um, But ultimately, the community supports one another. We lean on one another. We gain from one another. And not everybody can give money. I mean, our advocacy program it speaks to the power of, you know, your voice being important. Congress funding 100 million, 150 million a year in research, you know, getting other people involved. So you're, you're exactly right. I think the, uh, we will always be defined by our connectivity as a community. And then my goal as CEO is 
well, then how can you help accelerate a life-changing breakthrough? Right. Life-changing breakthrough could be affordable insulin, could be, you know, these closed-loop systems, which, you know, I was just telling the team here today that, not to go out get off track, but the very first five grants that we gave on artificial pancreas, 2005, all five of those grants are, are, are being incorporated into commercial systems. Wow. Tandem, Omnipod, Medtronic, there's an app uh, available in Europe, and then the Beta Bionics pump. You know, that's, those are changing lives, and that's why we do it. So, but how you do that is all based on the community of type one people. And I think you're a great example of that, you know, communicating information to, to, to tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. And that's, that's just awesome. Yeah. Aaron, I'm not I'm just millions, but okay. Um, so, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I'll send the downloads over. You'll love them. Uh, I, I, I think your batting average on, on the algorithm stuff is amazing. Cause I was around to hear about like, you know, you know, this, there's this guy and I, I just, you, you remember the, you know, the, the stories about it. it's like beta bionics like he's working on this thing and you didn't realize that years and years later i mean it's i i would imagine it's tough for people to hear that in 2005 you made an investment in somebody that in 2022 is going to let people sleep through the night with diabetes you know it's probably hard to hear that as time goes but i've been around i've been around it long enough now and not certainly as long as you have to know that anything that works out is great and um you know, you want it to take as short amount of time as possible, but anything that works out is good news. I had a woman on recently who's in a, a Vitacite trial, and mm. I can remember interviewing a doctor for you when I only had a blog about about the beginning of that. Y you know, and um, and I remember asking that doctor, like, I, I think the question I asked was, if everything goes perfectly, when will we see this? And he said something like fifteen years, and I thought, oh my god, like it seemed like you know forever. And now here I am talking to a lady who's got one inside of her, you know, and I was like, wow, it's it really is happening. It doesn't happen as quickly as you want it to. But these are not exactly simple things that you're trying to accomplish. It's, it's super complicated things. And I I come, you know, I watched. Uh, you're right. We've been around the block. We the Kowalski family for a long time. And uh, if your listeners haven't seen the Good Morning America piece on the Vertex uh, cell therapy trial. I, I, we can send the link, and um, I would, I would, I would highly recommend watching it because I got choked up watching that. You know, seeing somebody who got a stem cell derived islet transplant, which transplant in this case is an injection of cells, and is pretty much off of insulin, taking he said a couple of units every few days from a, a, the point of losing his job because he was having such a frequent severe hypoglycemia, hmm. you know, that research goes back 20 years, Yeah, but it's complicated taking stem cells and trying to make them into insulin producing islets uh, is hard, but here we are in 2022. And I think that gets to, you know, my goal is to not need Civica insulin ultimately. And hmm. I know that's Dan Lillenquist's goal is, now, cures will come, and we are on the cusp of seeing people walking around with stem cell-derived islets in them in the next few years. Wow. So, you know, all of this takes a long time and is hard, and we can attest to that with 40-plus years in my family. But I fully believe that my brother and I will take off our pumps. I believe it'll be this decade. And I'm going to do everything I can as CEO of JDRF to make that happen as quickly as possible. Wow. That's wonderful. It really is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I'd, I'd love to see you. I mean, I do business with a lot of these places and I'd still love to see you put them out of business. I'd, uh, I would trade my daughter not needing all this stuff for, you know, pretty much near anything. So, um, yeah, I, I wish you a ton of success. Do you have in your mind, do you know what you're doing next? Like, I, like, I, I guess my question is, I have two questions left, but I guess my one question is, um, from the, the moment you sat in your office and thought we should be making insulin till now, how long was that? It's probably about two years ago. Okay. So what are you thinking about right um, now? Well, my, I think the area that I'm most excited about is cell therapy. Um, now I, I firmly believe, well, we know you can quote unquote cure people with islet transplants. 
And I say, quote unquote, because if you talk to these people, they'll tell you they're cured, but they do require a chronic immunosuppression. Mm -hmm. And and historically, it's required somebody to die and donate their pancreas. So, you know, what's next for me is taking off the pump and eliminating the need for insulin. And I often joke, but, and, and, you know, when I'm amongst people with diabetes, everybody gets this. I've never seen somebody wearing a pump who doesn't have diabetes. Nobody chooses to do this. As proud as I am of the work we did on artificial pancreas, it's a band-aid to the the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think about night and day. And I know we can do this. I know we can. So that's where we're really spending a lot of time. It's on that. It's on the immune system and it's on preventing type type one diabetes. Ultimately the, 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 the end game is, is preventing type one diabetes, but for your daughter, my brother, me, and many, so many of your listeners and their loved ones, cell therapies in, in, in essence, don't cure the underlying problem. But if your daughter was off insulin for 10 years at a time, I bet she would say she was cured and I bet you would feel she was. So that's where I'm super focused. And that's where JDRF is super focused. We're going to continue to focus, you know, do work on treatments and making sure they're accessible and affordable. But, you know, this organization was founded by two moms who wanted cures for their boys. And that's what our intention is to do. Right. Well, I have a, a an idea. I'm sure maybe you do as well, but I would love it if in this process of, of ramping up for Civica, if it was, um, I don't know if it was just available online somewhere so you could see how the timelines were progressing or something. I think that would just be incredibly encouraging to people to um, just see how it's going when you, when you reach milestones, you know, I just, uh, that sounds, that sounds like a nice thing. Like I would love to wake up three months from now and see a, see a wall put up or, you know what I mean? You know, like something that, that felt like it was, it was progress. So, or you can come back here and talk about it or whatever you want. I just, uh, yeah, I would love to give updates, you know, just again, for your listeners sake, one of the things that we do at JDRF, and this is not super public, but um, every dollar that we give, well, most every dollar that we give away to research is milestone based. Meaning if research isn't progressing that we fund, we'll stop funding it. You know, it's not just a blank check, including this project. You know, it could fail. I don't, I think the, the likelihood, this is not really research. This is more just commercial development, but uh, we did not commit every single dollar up front. And what that means is every single grant we're tracking in the background. Mm-hmm. And um, I like, uh, you know, uh, we will definitely, certainly I'm always open to come in and talk shop with you. Nice. Um, but in terms of uh, publicly putting that on our website, I'll talk to the civic team and see how much we can put up there because our goal is to be transparent with our funding and uh, the progress we're making. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a completely different scale, but one of the reasons I believe that the podcast is successful is because I, it's me. And so every time I have a good idea, I can keep pushing it. And when I have my bad ideas, I can look at it and go, Ooh, what was I thinking? And just bail on it and run away. And there's nobody to vote. I haven't hurt anybody's feelings in a meeting. You know, I just go, I don't know why I was doing that. And then that flexibility is super important. Um, It's nice to hear that you're paying attention to that stuff really is. Aaron, I can't. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, we have an amazing team of scientists that work internally at JDRF. And that's what they do is they, every day are thinking about where's the state of the science and where's our next dollar best deployed and I think if, if, you know, when I, I ask my parents to give my wife and I give, um, that gives me a lot of confidence that anybody who's giving to JDRF, their, their dollars are being stewarded. Well. Yeah, no, that's lovely. It is. I, I'll tell you, I did my best in the beginning when my daughter was first diagnosed, it took me, I think five years of walks and I raised about $50,000. And, um, I was so proud, you know, just to, to put anything in the coffers, to be perfectly honest, I, I've, um, well, well, look at the payoff. Now she's uh, wearing a hybrid closed loop system and that contributed to it. I mean, that's the proof in the pudding. And I love that. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel very good about it because I'll tell you that I launched that blog because I had a very real feeling that I needed to do something, but I was aware that my skills did not lend to what she needed, you know, and I thought, well, how, how is what I'm good at applicable to this? And 
you know, I just did my best to drive, to drive people's knowledge about it. Um, and I still am. I, I actually really, I have to tell you, Aaron, I, I think you probably have the same feeling about your job, but I feel very lucky to do something that helps people that puts my kids through college that I, that I love at the same time. So, um, I hope everybody, no, please. I, I, I hope everybody has an opportunity to work like that. It's a, it's a good way to be. I appreciate you doing this very much. I, I, we pulled this together on, on short notice. So I really do thank you for your time. Well, it's exciting times and thanks for spreading the word, Scott. And people can certainly just head to jdref.org for more information and ping me at any point if you have questions. I know this this will continue to be a frustrating issue. We'll continue to fight the fight and align the community, but at least we have some light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I'm super excited and proud about that. Well, I appreciate your effort. It's um, one of those things that you mentioned earlier in the current system. I mean, I have no business doing it, and I've put my mind to it a million times. I just kept thinking, I don't know how you're going to fix this. So it turns out that fixing it is changing it, and um, and that's really exciting. I, I appreciate it very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. I laugh because it is a big it is a big one, but um, I'm I'm glad we have a partner in Civica that knows knows how to do it and get it done. Yeah, I'm going to try very hard to get somebody from the company on to to talk about. Um, uh, how they've come to be and and all, oh, you all should. they're done. so incredibly interesting and they're an amazing group i would highly recommend it excellent all right well i hope you have a great day and i'll i'll uh, put this up for you as soon as i can awesome thanks scott take great care from me great to speak with you thank take you care. you too Well, this was an exciting one, wasn't it? First, let me thank Aaron for coming on the show. Let me thank Civica, even though I didn't talk to them yet. And uh, let me thank you for listening. After that, I'm going to thank Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast and to remind you to find out if you're eligible for that free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. And don't forget, if you want the Omnipod 5, start with the Dash and dash into the 5. I also want to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you that their golf tournament is coming up soon. If you're in the Orlando area and you're a duffer, is that a word? Then touchbytype1.org. Get going. Four! Is that how they do it? That's how I would do it. I'd be like, <clears throat> I'd probably do it with a deeper voice. Let me be honest. Four! Maybe that? Who knows? That would probably get annoying. Actually, I'm annoyed by it now. I'm thinking of deleting it. Nah. Nah. I'll leave it in. Is this your first time listening to the Juicebox podcast? Subscribe in your podcast app. There are new episodes coming all the time. New episodes drop on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's for the five days of the week. If five days of the week is 100%, I'm not counting the weekends. I don't know why. Do you want me to count the weekends? First, let's not count the weekends. If you count five days and I give you an episode on four of the days, 20, 40, I think that's 80% of the days you get new content. It's pretty nice. And it's free, by the way. Also, I have an amazing Facebook group, 23,000 people with diabetes over there chit-chatting away. You could be part of it. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, also free. Everything's always free. Free, 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 free. Okay, now if we take seven days and I put it out on four, oh boy, this is it. There's no way I'm going to be able to figure out what percentage this is. It's over 50. So right now I'm holding up. I'm holding up seven on my hands. I got five up on my right hand, two up on my left hand. I fold four over because that's where I'm getting the new content and I'm left with three, which tells me that it's over 50%. But now we're getting into logistics, right? Because it's not a clear cut answer. So four is what percentage of seven, I guess is my question. Now, this is something I would have probably learned in fifth grade and I have no idea about. Four is what percent of seven? My phone knew. See, I didn't even have to pay attention in school. 57.1428%. That's how many days of the week you're getting new content when you're listening to the Juicebox podcast. I know what you're thinking. Seems pretty fair, right? Yeah, it is. You're going to love it too. More stuff like this. Uh, plenty of management talk. I think this weekend, yeah, Friday, um, this week is the last episode in the Defining Thyroid series, but there's a Defining Diabetes series, the Diabetes Pro Tips, How We Eat After Dark, 
There's so much to choose from, and it's all right there in your podcast player waiting for you. Now, if you're not listening in a podcast player right now, you could be in any podcast player that you want, literally like any audio app, say an audio app in your head. Oh, I don't know which one you said. Let's pretend you said Spotify. I'm on Spotify. How is that? Amazing, right? Say Apple. Good, say it. For those of you who said Apple out loud, I appreciate you playing along. Uh, definitely on Apple. Amazon Music, Stitcher, Pandora. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, all the rest. I mean, even if you just have like a little podcast player like Castro, that's a little known podcast app that nobody uses. Uh, I'm on there. Alexa, TuneIn, CastBox, anywhere you can think of. If you have an audio app on your phone, you search Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, you can subscribe to this podcast in that audio app, absolutely for free. I will deliver content to your ears like it's my job, because it's my job, and I hope you love it, and I think you will. All right, that's a lot of rambling. If you're still listening, I'm counting on you to subscribe. Either that or you couldn't get to the button to hit stop, and you're just, right now, you're like, oh my God, like I'm trying to finish washing these dishes, and this guy will not stop talking about where you can hear your podcast from. I'm like, ugh, like you're probably irritated if that's happening to you, but... You should give me points for trying. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. I just want to say, if you're still not sure, and you're in the Apple app, just go look at the reviews. The reviews for this show, if they don't talk you into listening, I don't know what can. Take five seconds and look at them. All right, now I'm really leaving. Goodbye.